what's your settle? Does settle mean ugly? Hi, Basha. Hexidians. See anything you like? Ew, no. I'm just here to take an ironic pentagram next to your weird flashing trash sign. That's not funny, Basha. Well, what are you gonna do? Spit your human venom on me? You have venom? Quick, loose! Start melting faces! Even if I could, it's not worth it. You wouldn't understand how to handle teams like her. No, I'll show you what to do. You will tremble before me! right now all right here's the deal whoever can prove their new body has the easiest life gets out of house cleaning duty and you know what that means <laughs> won't be me life as a teen is a tyrant's dream by the end of the day i'll be ruling over your feeble demographic well i've got magic eat up don't be too mad when your inventory's gone and the guards are none the wiser <laughs> If you need me, I'll be getting pampered on a vacation fit for a king. My life's not a joke, but yours is. Bat. <laughs> Stop right there! 
Sniper's guard. Thought you could get away with it, didn't you? Wait, you, you know who I am? Of course I do. You're the cutest little angel I've ever seen. Who wants a lolly? Ha! That's more like it. You got nothing. Being king is a walk in the park. I'm gonna win this bet for sure. What? Oh, darling, look at this lost little dumpling. What's that? Whoa! Hey, I'm not lost, you creeps. Oh, baby, do you need us to make you a delicious meal? No, I don't need your tummy scratches. Ooh, you know what? Maybe I am lost. Take me away, ladies. Kitty Cafe. This is our little safe haven for cherubs like you. Ugh, what hot mess is going down? King, listen to this. Hey, let's greedy more scratchy. Sorry, now that I'll be a student at Hexide, I want to learn all about it. I've got a new crush, and her name is Education. Yeah. Hey, freeloaders. Guess what today is. Is it your birthday? Is it my birthday? It's my birthday. No. It's Human Treasure Day. Ah, fresh garbage. Ooh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yes, another worthy addition to my army of terror. Truly horrifying. Yo, kid, your trash pile's getting hose. Well, mine's getting hot. I have never seen such an extravagant earring. You can have my trash. Oh, did you know that Hexide was built on the bones of its rival school? What it literally conquered? Yes, I know all these things. I went there. It was the most harrowing period of my life. Oh, hello. Can you imagine it? Me, in the halls of Hexide. some reason because we love you baby sister ah! they've been extra protective and nice towards me to make up for the library incident 
and we still apologize every day. In any case, here's your book. So, don't you think? It was fine. So fine, you drew yourself with Mallingdale, the mysterious soothsayer? This is great. Maybe we can even start an Azora club at school when we're classmates. When we're what? Surprise! I'm enrolling at Hexide. Oh, uh, sorry. But to be in my class, you need to take a placement exam and prove that you've mastered two spells. I know you have your light thing. Uh, do you know anything else? Placement exam? Spells? Quit giving her a hard time, Mittens. Yeah, of course she knows two spells. Right, Luz? <laughs> yeah, of course I know two spells. <laughs> because if you don't, they'll put you in the baby class. Ooh, brain idea! What if we all train together? We could show off what we know. What do you say, Luz? training plans in a very far away place that I have to go to right now. Bye! Wow, a surprisingly peaceful domestic moment. When will it be ruined? Ina! There it is. Ina, Ina, Ina! You have to teach me a new spell right now! Sorry, Luz. These vegetables won't cook themselves. Yuck. Alright, everybody in the pot. I always think it's gonna work. But I need to know two spells to get into decent classes at Hexide. I can make light glyphs. <laughs> at the end of the day, that's the only spell I know. And whose fault is that? Yours. Ah, yep, got me there. Just teach me a spell now, any spell. It can be the darkest evil. Well, I have been researching my texts on wild magic, but I'm much too busy right now. Ina, you're the most powerful witch on the Boiling Isles. How would it look if your apprentice got thrown into the baby class? Hmm, weaponizing my pride. Well played. Well, in that case, this looks like a job for a magic boot camp. Did someone say boot camp? I agree to run it. We'll rise at dawn. You'll carry me on your back as I yell hateful things about your performance. Like a thing that like 
went by, you feel like you're literally going crazy. There are things beyond this world that we can't explain, and you need to be careful. You may not be able to handle it. stories, they become a little bit part of your life, you tell them around a roaring fire or in a darkened living room, and so as you grow up and you hear that such a thing maybe does exist, why, you'd love to uh, experiment and see if, it, if it's really true. When I was starting out in television, finally got my own talk show, which is something I always wanted to do. So I wanted things that weren't being done on television. So one day, we had a famous ghost hunter on the show. His name was Hans Holzer. As a matter of fact, he was from New York City. He came as a guest on the show because he had written uh, a book on it, and I was curious about it myself, and so got into a nice conversation with him. And then, during the commercial break, I said to Hans, you know, there is such a thing as a haunted house here in San Diego. Now, the house was uh, called the Whaley House. It had been built in the 1800s in San Diego. There was an Anna Whaley who kind of started uh, that house uh, many years ago. He said, the next time I'm in town, I'd love to go over there. I said, fine, we'll go together. So I uh, stayed in touch with him via the telephone, and sure enough, about... I don't know, six, seven months later, he was coming back up to the West Coast. He would come down to San Diego, and he would love to go to this house. But this time, because he knew we were going to the Whaley House, he brought with him a witch, a legitimate witch from England named Sybil Leake. And he had taken her before into other haunted houses in hopes that she could pick up something about the situation there and relay it to him. And so I was kind of thrilled that he brought her all along, and uh, I could see the whole operation. So we, we, we all went to the house together. I had access to a camera guy, and we talked with the custodians of the house, people who kind of kept the thing going. It was sort of a tourist attraction in those days. And we went over a few of uh, the stories. Mr. Whaley loved a good cigar, and so people had swear to God that they did smell heavy cigar smoke, noises on the second floor, all kinds of, of things that indicated something or someone was up there. And here I was with this ghost hunter and a witch, and what am I getting myself into? But I kind of liked it, you know, after all those years as a kid, hearing the ghost stories and feeling those chills up and down your body, here you were going to, into a house that was a haunted house. So anyway, the name was Sybil Leak of this witch, and the Sybil was telling us first she had to go into a trance. He would put her in the chair, he hypnotized her, and he would put her under. And then he would ask her questions about what was she sensing? What was she feeling? Do you, are you feeling anybody's anybody else's presence here? And she, yes, in particular, I, I feel a woman's presence. It's a woman. 
Yes. Yes, there is a woman here. Is she happy still being here? No, she doesn't want to leave. And what's her name? Her name is Anna. Anna Whalen. The woman who had lived there first. Anna Whalen, yes. And her husband. She doesn't want to leave. She's been through some tragedies. The Whaley family, like every family, has certain little tragedies. She said that Anna Whaley had had a tough time in that home. Anna's daughter did commit suicide in the house. And that was one of the things that I guess haunted Anna at the time. And maybe that's why she didn't want to leave the house even when she passed. Tom Solver thought that was a big victory because it kind of proved to him that yes, indeed, there's a ghost here. And uh, got me interested as well. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Anyway, we had a wonderful show. I filmed the piece with Sybil Leak and used it on the show and it got tremendous reaction. Well, I think everybody's fascinated by the, the expression haunted houses. After the show, I had a friend that I had served in the, the Navy in San Diego, and uh, he said to me, why don't you and I stay in this so-called haunted house? Because, you know, I don't believe in this at all. Bill Rankin is a lieutenant colonel. I mean, he was a tough Marine, a terrific guy, but he didn't believe in ghosts. And I must tell you, I wasn't sure either. Yeah, I saw what happened with the with the interview, and I saw what Hans Holter had to say, and I called up the people running the house, and I said, we'd like to spend some time there, alone, preferably. We don't want to be bothered. We'd like to do it at night, when the ghosts come out. And the guy said, fine, fine. And then they left around 9.30 at night. So um, he, who didn't believe at the beginning, said, this is ridiculous. You're wasting a lot of time here. There's nobody here. There's nothing here. And I said, no, let's just wait a little while longer. And the colonel came and sat on the other end of the couch. And I proceeded to walk around the floors and go upstairs and just peek around, make sure everything was in order. proceeded to walk around the floors and go upstairs and just peek around, make sure everything was in order. I remember going down that staircase I did smell a little bit of a cigar smoke, and I know that Anna Whaley's uh, husband was a big cigar smoker, but I didn't want to tell him because he didn't believe in this at all. This is all ridiculous. This is kid stuff. So it ran into midnight. I said to him, 
let's turn out the lights and just keep this place in darkness. So we went around, we turned off the lights everywhere in the place. Came back to the living room, which uh, had an, a, an archway of a doorway facing us where you could look into the next room. And I had the flashlight. And there we sat in darkness. So the hours went by, and it must have been 2 o'clock in the morning, and by this time we're plunged in darkness. And of course, my friend, the tough Marine, was heckling me about how, how silly this is, what a waste of time it is. And then suddenly he stopped talking. But he says, don't turn on the light. I looked up and looked through the archway. And there was this, this image, illuminated in white. It was almost like a transparent shape of a, of, of a woman, really. Not going down all the way to the floor, just standing there. And it was kind of like staring back at us. The kind of stuff you see in the movies. I knew this tough old Marine had seen it too. Now, he got on his hands and knees. And he began crawling like he was approaching the enemy. And he quietly pulled his way over the floor to the end of the room. And I got very, very, very excited because... Honestly, I thought somebody or something was there. And I knew what he was going to do. He's a Marine. He's going to go and tackle it. Bring it down. I was just beside myself. So he got as close as he could. I couldn't stand it anymore. I held the light out there. And flipped on the flashlight. And there was nothing there. The colonel was very upset. I didn't follow his orders, not turning on the light. I went through all of that. Took a good look against the wall. And there was a picture of a woman. The image was right smack up against the picture on that wall. And it was Anna Whaley. And that is precisely the, the person that... Uh, our friend, the Civil League, had picked up in her seance, who was still interested in continuing her afterlife there. The connection between the picture and that image meant something. We turned off the flashlight, and the colonel came back and sat on the other end of the couch, and we both looked intently. We waited and waited, and the ghost never came back. We never, ever saw that illumination again but i'm telling you that night i saw a ghost i know i shouldn't have turned on the light i'm sorry i got carried away and um to this day it kind of haunts me spirits they will they'll give you so much but they're not going to go all the way with it you know that a whaley still is still here still in this house she came down that night to visit us and to Tell my friend, yeah, there are such things as ghosts. There are things beyond this world that we can't explain, and they're accessible. And you need to be careful. Because if you want something badly enough, 
then you may just get it and you may not be able to handle it. Well, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and my family had a farm. My uncle had a farm that was about 30 minutes outside of Omaha. I love that. I love driving to get there. You just had to go on these long country roads. And we used to drive there every Sunday from when I was really young. I was just the kind of kid that loved to read and I loved to be by myself and I loved to be out in nature. And when I was at the farm, I felt like very free. It was just a place where, you know, I felt very open. And there was a really old graveyard nearby. That was my favorite place to go to. It was so old that I had a fascination with taking paper and crayons, and I would take them to the graves and rub them to see, you know, what the graves said and to figure out what the dates, and I would do all the math. You know, when I'd see the day that they died, I'd be like, hmm, I wonder, you know, how they died so young. And there was very much that sort of thing for me. And for some, whatever reason, I had a fascination with the idea the idea of death. I started having uh, these strange experiences when I was about 17. I actually lived in New York at the time. I was modeling, and I would go home because a lot of my friends were still in Omaha. So when I would go back to Omaha, my friends and I, we would go out to my uncle's farmhouse. Everything that I missed about Nebraska was there, and because it was so linked to my childhood, a place that I went to for my whole life, I just loved the experience of going there. One time, I was with one of my best friends. Her name is Leslie and a group of other people. So we were out in the field. Then all of a sudden my friend was like, whoa, did you see that thing? And I was like, no, nobody was in the house. Everybody was outside. She just had this stunned look on her face and like hit her what she had seen. And she was like, oh my God, did you see that? turned around and all of a sudden I see this thing, a shape, and it wasn't something that you can define. It was just like a thing that like went by. It, it had this flowing quality of like a fabric would have, but there was no shape to it. It was like a long thing of like smoke that just like flowed across, uh, across from one side to the other. Obviously, I was a little creeped out, but I don't think that I, like in my brain, there was some sort of like logical, dismissive reason for it. You know, I'm 17 years old. <laughs> I just, you know, thought it could be explained by some factual reason. So later that night, uh, it was just my friend, my boyfriend at the time, Jay and I. We were asleep. I slept in the master bedroom on the main floor. I remember it being hot and I had turned on the fan. The only trouble I did have falling asleep was just the noise of the 
fan, which, you know, that click, 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 click sound. I woke up and I was stuck to my bed. The only trouble I did have falling asleep was just the noise of the fan, which, you know, that click, 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 click sound. I woke up and I was stuck to my bed. It's so hard to describe an experience like this with, with words. But I was glued, my body was glued to the bed. It felt like I was stuck and wrapped in like a spider's web. I just remember started, that I started panicking because I'm like, oh my god, I can't move my body, I can't move my body, my body's not moving. Why isn't my body moving? I knew that I wasn't in a nightmare because the fan was moving. If you hear that clink, 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 clink. So I'm starting to really, at this point, panic. And I'm trying to move my head to, to feel and to see what's going on and to see what was happening to my friend that was in the bed next to me. And anytime I tried to move my head, it was like as if the strongest force you've ever felt before was pushing against you. It was like no matter which way I tried to move my face, it would not go. I was trying to look down at the bottom of my bed to see if I could see anything, and then something would push up on my chin. His hand, I, I knew it was close to mine, but I couldn't move my arm enough because of the force that was pushing against me. Like, my fingers, I was trying to spread my fingers. I couldn't spread my fingers. I remember so clearly that feeling of being, like, bound. I couldn't open up my mouth to scream. It was like every function of my body had all of this strength against it. Then I started hearing this very loud slapping sound. And feeling this, like this, on the bed next to me. I, I pushed, 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 and I, and I shifted my eyes over as far as I could go. 